Pong! This episode of the Reason Knuckles Podcast. Join us as we slide into the dark magic world of the most mythical mage to make magic since Moses made mincemeat of the men on his trail. A diabolical dude with a disdain for the divine that would rival the devil. A man with a heart so dark and depraved that he couldn't be saved. He's traveled the world with style and panache. He's bedded the ladies and bundled the cash. So get greased up for a romp in the realm of evil and listen to your two favorite hosts give a toast to the first hunter of ghosts. From London to France to ladies' underpants, from mountains to locks to sand in the rocks, this pyramid cruising power abusing titan of men is sure to offend. It's the season finale, Alistair Crowley. So how do you see it's going to get greasy? All right. Here at the Greasy Knuckles, we earn our NSFW rating. We're proud to bring you unedited, unfiltered content. That said, if you're a snowflake or a sensitive type, you might get offended. We support everyone's right to speak freely and put forth thoughts unmuzzled. So enjoy the show, but if you're not 18 or around someone who might not need to hear our thoughts, wear your headphones or find a nice little church program to listen to. Stay greasy. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Greasy Knuckles Podcast. I'm Jabal! And Jay Bone. Guess what? Guess motherfucking what? Just tell me, I don't like to play games. That's right. This is the end of season two. The end of the greasy... No, no it's the end of season two. Man. 60, 69 more in the book. Well, after this. 69 more. This is our 69th season finale. We're going out with a banger, as the kids say. Kids say a lot of stuff I don't agree with. Alistair Crowley. Just like this fella. What? I said, just like this fella. He said a lot of stuff that I don't agree with, too. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No. I was like, damn, dog. I see how it is. No, man. Hey, man. You I'm, not, I'm not saying we agree on everything, but, no. you know. It'd be kind of weird. I think this would be very boring. It's like, if you have that, that friend that is just too similar to you. Yeah. You know? Or yeah. you're like, oh, man. You remind me of so-and-so. I bet y'all would get along perfect. Because you have that friend that's exactly like another one of your friends. Then you introduce them and they're just like, nah, fuck that dude. You know? Yeah, but see, that's why I don't do play dates. It's like uh, like if my wife has a friend. She's like, oh, her husband's an engineer. Uh, no. I'm like, no. No. Not a chance. There's no, It's not going to happen. If I don't meet you at work, then you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I try, man. We I try to relate to people. It's hard, man. One of my daughters has a friend whose dad's getting out of the army, and he's uh, some kind of noner. I don't know what he does, some kind of finance or something. See, that's usually a little bit easier, though. Like, No. If they were in the military, you, you can at least talk about something there, but I don't know. There's, he's nothing. He's a weird dude. The weird dude? Yeah, he wants to, he wants to get a job, you know, like kind of what, what I do, or what we do, or whatever, and... You know, he wants to go into a whole different department of it. And it just, I tried to tell him, like, it's not what you think it is. The job he wants to do. Because I know what it is. What is it? Huh? You're being, like, all secretive. What is well, yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I can't talk. I mean, I'm not going to no, give, like, know, the name. No, I know. But, like, is it in HR? No, no. Or he's, he, wa- he wants to be, he, he's coming from, like, finance. He was an officer. And he wants to be an inspector. Oh, he's an officer? Yeah. Fuck that dude. And he wants to be an Piece inspector. Piece of shit. <laughs> So you know he's going to come out there with an air of superiority about yeah. him that, you know, he's working, that the lowly mechanics are under him. So you know everything he looks at, he's going to be like, no, it's not good enough. Yeah. No. Oh, fuck him. Yeah. You know what? I don't give a fuck that you're in the army. Yeah. You're trash. <laughs> These ain't helicopters. Anyways. You're fucking officers? Yeah, suck but my dick. Whatever. I just don't, I don't, I don't do the whole, like, this dude's pretty cool, you know, like my, my wife's friends or something or their husband or whatever. Yeah. Nah. If I don't meet him at work. Alright. Cheers, bud. Let's go ahead and crack this here caffeine. Oh, shit. Oh, cheers. Cheers. one handed. Cheers, knuckleheads. Season two. So it'll be in the book after this. That was the last drink. The last caffeine crack of season two. Yeah. That's wild, dude. Yeah. It's 138 caffeine cracks. 
138 caffeine, nicotine-fueled, rage-filled episodes. Salute. 138 hours of conversation. Yeah. Roughly. Roughly. Some of them were a little longer. Some of them were a little less. So, average um, about an hour. Yeah. Edward Alexander Crowley. Born on the 12th of October, 1875. So, hold on. Before we dive into the facts and everything. Yeah. What was your assumptions going into Aleister Crowley? Like, before you did research and so all that shit. He was a devil-worshipping occultist that was into black magic, some Satanism, some human sacrifice, which I never... Even though I thought, even though I kind of thought that at first, like, even before all this that I've done, just from stuff I've seen before about him, I don't remember ever really seeing any human sacrifice stuff. Yeah. But there was a lot of, like, blood ritual type stuff. Spit in there, my nose. So... Um, yeah, he was just like one of those weird occultist dudes, like Freemason type. Yeah. Arnie. Secret society, you know, and the people, people fucking worshipped him. I mean, that's what I thought about him. I, don't, I didn't have an opinion on him. I thought he was a pretty cool figure in history. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird, huh? Like, he rubbed all these people the wrong way, but everyone's like, oh, he's just a weird guy. Yeah. Some of them were like, guys, he's an antichrist. Like, I think the first time I heard about Aleister Crowley was, well, the first time I probably heard his name was the Mr. Crowley song. But, um. How does that go? Mr. Crowley. <laughs> but the. Bow, bow, bow. Can you talk to the dead? Bow, 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 bow. Mr. Alarming. Bow, bow, bow. I don't remember the rest. So, nice, but, dude. But, um. <laughs> that was probably the first time I heard his name. Had no idea who Mr. Crowley was. It's kind of like hearing Mr. Brownstone. Yeah. No idea what that meant until I got older. But anyhow. Still don't know what that means. Heroin. I don't know. Oh, I digress. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but then, but then I heard, of, and then later on I heard about uh, the guy from Led Zeppelin that lived in his house. Yeah. He said there was some crazy shit yeah, going heard, on like, there. And that's where, that's where I first heard that, that he was like an occultist. Yeah. Because that dude was obsessed with that stuff. What was his name? Peter something? I don't remember which one lived in his house. David Bowie? Mm, nope. Definitely not. <laughs> Never part of Led Zeppelin. No, but I, I kind of figured the same thing. Like, he was just this weird... You, you always see the same picture of Aleister Crowley. Yeah. It's just that black and white photo of him, like, with the crazy eyebrows, you know. And that's it. You don't really see all these different photos and paintings and everything else of him. Yeah. So, it's like it's like you always see the picture of Salvador Dali. The black and white one where his eyes are crazy and has the big long mustache sticking up. Yeah. And yeah. same thing with Marilyn... Or, uh... Marilyn Manson. Charles Manson. Fuck. Yeah. So... You know, in prison, Charles Manson, we got to cover that dude. He's fucking crazy. But at the same time, you know, they refused him razors and refused him haircuts and all this shit while he was in prison. Yeah, I didn't get that far. Like, well, I'm talking about Charles Manson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I you were about, yeah. they were like, they wanted this image. They wanted a set image. They didn't want him to look clean cut, like, because they had already dealt with Ted Bundy looking clean cut and having the whole split of people going he didn't do it there's no fucking way like he looks too good this that and the other so when it came to Charles Manson they were like no no you're not cutting your hair you're not cutting your beard they wanted him to look as crazy as possible yeah set, like yeah I don't know an example fucking wild person yeah so uh, Jimmy, Jimmy went, Page was the one that Jimmy Page but anytime he went on TV People were just like, oh, he's fucking psycho. Look at him. Yeah. He can't even take care of himself. I mean, that swastika on his forehead didn't help him out any. No, either. but that came way later on. Like, yeah, after all the CS, I mean, CIA and LSD and yeah. in and out of jail. But initially, like, he didn't have that swastika, and they just refused him razors and shit. And well, he even said that in the interview. He's like... They will not let me cut my hair. They, they won't, won't let, let me, me shave. My, they but won't let me shave. You know. They, I even, even the the documentaries that I've seen about him, they said that he was like a very charismatic guy. Charismatic. He was a good singer. 
You know, he had like yeah. a style about him. Like girls loved him. Like he had he had it going on. You know. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, Aleister Crowley. I, I feel like he's the same way. They don't want people to follow in those footsteps of being curious. Yeah. You know, because that's initially just how he was. He's just a curious person. Yeah, but he and was like, yeah. Like, Let's paint this crazy picture of him and bury all the other shit. You just get this one psycho-looking dude with these crazy-looking eyebrows. I mean, he, he he was curious, but he was also, like, crazy, like, you know. I mean, like, there's, he, there's one thing to be curious about the world. Yeah. There's another thing to be, like, you know, I got to bang a bunch of people and jerk off 12 times a day, you know, like. I'm going to preface this whole thing by saying I do not like Aleister Crowley. Okay. You know, I I love him. No, when kidding. it comes to people of the occult and shit like that, like, I like Anton Xander LaVey. He's okay. fucking awesome. The things that he did and stuff. But Aleister Crowley, he, he started out all right. You know, but we can go through his life. If you want to hit us with the facts. Jamie, pull it up. I hit you with some of them. Who's Jamie? Oh yeah, that guy from that show. What's yeah, that? the one with the bald dude in it. Yeah, well, what's his name? Joe, Joe Rogan? Rogan. Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Yeah, that guy. Um, hit me back on Twitter, Joe Rogan. I've been tagging <laughs> you in everything. <laughs> Take a hit, dude. Quit I stealing don't, our show ideas. I don't even know where to start, really. Like, you know, I said that's when he, I said when he was born, but the, it, everything I read just jumps right into like Thelema. You know what I mean? Like, just right off the bat, or the OTO, or the Golden Dawn. Like, it's... All right. Well, I can give you a little bit of backstory if you want. I mean, I, I, I mean, I saw where he went to college and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah, so he, he started out, his his parents were, like, super fucking rich. Yeah. Just crazy rich. In the Royal Leamington Spa, Wick, Warwickshire. Yeah, and... Where the fuck that is? He was actually a junior. He was named Edward... Um, Edward Crowley Jr. or whatever and as, as he was growing up his parents decided to take on Christianity yeah and it wasn't like you know oh yeah we go to church on Sundays and we live our lives it was it was like extreme there's a fundamentalist Christian sect like, yeah and anything that says fundamentalist in front of it's gonna be a rough ride yeah and they didn't allow him to do shit and he didn't he ended up having like really terrible fucking health issues because he wasn't able to be outside, like all these crazy things until I believe it was his uncle stepped in and took him. If I remember right, it was his, his uncle that took him and took him to a doctor and was like, what, what's going on? Like this guy looks sick. He looks really ill. And this was in, it was around seventh or eighth grade. And the doctor confirmed. He's like, yeah, this kid's dying. Like, how has he never been to a doctor before, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was because his parents were these fundamentalists. Like, I can't remember their organization that they started. Did they start it? Or you mean the, the fundamentalist Christian Plymouth Brethren faith? The Plymouth Brethren. Yeah. So they're the Crowleys, his mom and dad, were the ones that helped start this Plymouth religion. Um, but it was just super strict. They always beat the shit out of Crowley for like everything that he did. But took him to the doctor. The doctor was like, this kid is not going to make it to adulthood. Like mm -hmm. he's just not. He's going to die before them. And the only thing they could see that would help him, like, I can can't remember the guy that actually took Crowley in uh, but anyways they found out like oh he's just he needs like a good diet and he needs to be outside mm -hmm. so I ended up taking him let him go exploring like in the mountainside go to the rivers the lakes play outside a lot and he ended up getting better and that was essentially the cause is just not a good diet and not being able to go outside in the sun and play and do normal kid things, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was like, man, this is awesome. And then 
he was put into like a church school ordeal by his parents like before going to the to his uncle or whatever and they were really really strict there they didn't let him do anything um so, so I got at the age of eight he was sent to H.T. Habersham's Evangelical Christian Boarding School is yeah. that what you're talking about <laughs> it also sounds like a fucking nightmare <laughs> and then to Ebor Preparatory School in Cambridge run by the Reverend Henry Henry de R.C. Champney whom Crowley considered a sadist yeah so yeah that you got to think the amount of abuse that Crowley went through. You know, a lot of people look at these serial killers, look at these people in the cults, like bad into the cults and shit, and just think, man, they're a fucking crazy person. Yeah. But they don't like to dive into their childhood because a lot of that shit happens in childhood. Like he was surrounded by evangelical fucking nutter butters. Yeah. That were just hardcore Christians. Hardcore Christians. Like, so much so that it just impacted his life every second of every day. Putting the fun in fundamentalist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And getting the shit kicked out of him during the process. Yeah. So he did that. Um, and then I got the. In March of 1887, when he was 11 years old, his father died of tongue cancer. Yeah. This has got to be a hell of a way to go. Yeah. I've never even heard of tongue cancer. I have. I've heard, of, and stuff. I've heard of esophageal cancer, like throat cancer. Yeah. But I've never heard of tongue cancer. I wonder if he, if he was a dipper, if he chewed. I don't know. Chewed that child. He, but he, he said he, I got a quote that he maintained an admiration of his father, describing him as my hero and my friend. So, I don't, that's, fuck, I don't know. And then it says he inherited a third of his father's wealth, and that's when he started acting out at school. So, but look at it in this light, right? Because mm -hmm. it's Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. So, what? is it? Yeah. June? Yep, sure is. What an odd month to be Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. I mean, Father's Day and everything. Yeah. But. Strange, why is it Gay Pride Month or whatever then? I don't know. Like, why are those all looped in together? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't broad, know. Broad scheme of things, you wouldn't think that, like, Anyways, I'm getting off course here. Just it just I, all of a sudden hit me that all that's in the same month. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I've brought that up before, like Juneteenth, Pride, Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. It's all in the same month. And oh, I guess I misspoke. I shouldn't call it Gay Pride Month. It's Pride Month. Yeah. Sorry. Regardless, it's I didn't, like I didn't mean any mal mal mal, mal, mal any, Yeah. I wasn't fucking around. I just misspoke. But the. Uh, I think that is a big problem too with Men's Mental Health Awareness Month because men are kind of put on the back burner. And my mom, my mom and I were talking about this earlier. She's like, for you know Mother's Day, at work they bring in all this stuff, like they do all this stuff for us and yeah, you know get us meals and all this shit. And then for Father's Day, it's like, hey, good shit, man. Yeah, I fixed hey. the air conditioner this morning, slept for four hours, and came back to work. Yeah, it's like Happy Father's Day, <laughs> you know. I did, get, I did get awesome hand-drawn cards from my kids, though, so worth every, worth every minute of it, I'm just saying. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't wake up to flowers and chocolate or a spa day. Yeah, and she was saying how it's messed up, you know, because fathers do a, a lot for the home, but they kind of get put on the back burner, and that's the same case with having Juneteenth, Pride Month, all this stuff, and then it's like, oh, it's also men's, it's men's mental health. Yes, like, I didn't even realize. I didn't even know that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I've heard of it, like what it is, but I mean, I didn't realize that it was in June until you just said all of it together a minute ago. Can you know the number one killer of men? Mental health. Themselves. Men kill themselves in way more numbers than any other, like, it's not homicide or anything like that. It's suicide. Yeah. So, anyways, that's, that's pretty dark, but... We're my talking about dark point, shit anyways. Go ahead. Yeah, my whole point was in Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, let's look at this from you have this kid mm -hmm. who is surrounded by like, don't touch that, don't look at that, you can't do that, that's, mm -hmm. that's satanic, that's demonic, all this other shit, right? Because right. everything's demonic. And on top of that, they're getting beat constantly, religiously, not even just at the home, but they go to school where they're also beat 
and religion just shoved in their face the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then his best friend, his dad, the one that's running the household and doing all that, dies. Yeah. That all fucks his mental health all the way up. Yeah. So a lot of people don't like to look at like, oh, well, their childhood was shit. No wonder they turned out like crazy, you know? Right. But anyways. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's a good point, though. Um, that it did have a huge impact on, the, like, a lot of the, like, basically that set him on the path to all the, like, crazy shit that he got into. Because then he went to all these little religious schools and whatever. And then he went, after that, he went to Malvern College and Tombridge School, both of which he despised. I mean, I guess that's just two different colleges that he just hated. He just hated the structure of it, I think, and the whole, like you're saying, the whole religious aspect of society. Well, and his IQ was off the fucking charts. So, like, with all these schools and stuff, he was excelling in, like, math, and he was part of the chess club. Yeah. And then in less than a year of just being part of the chess club, he had beaten the president, became president. Like, he was just like, fuck. He just seemed to do that everywhere he went, though. Everything he did, like, that. I mean, that's how you could tell he was intelligent, because everything he did, he did it to the max, like... You know, like like you're saying, like he joined the chess club and he was running the shit after a couple of years, yeah. And then you know, like everything he went into. So after that, and that's when he that's when he became increasingly skeptical regarding Christianity, and he used to point out inconsistencies in the Bible to his religious teachers. You know, like that, like I like I know that kind of person. Yeah, that they were like, you know, God took one of Adam's ribs and made Eve, and he's like bullshit. You like just, yeah. nope, nope. How do you do that? Do it. How do you do that? Surgery? Do you have an MRI machine? Yeah. Huh? Do you sedate him? What do you do? And but it, if you look, this guy is super logical thinking. He's very intelligent. So of course, when they're just like, hey, by the way, the ark fit every animal, two of each kind. He's like, wait a minute, hey, yeah. how do they do that with just wood tools? God took a rib, Eve took his balls. That's what happened. So, <laughs> oh <my God>. um, <laughs> but uh. And then he, he just like that's when he started like, from what I got, that's when he started really just like, fuck it, and started smoking, masturbating, fucking prostitutes. He got gonorrhea. You know, one you know, of the quotes from him. What? Is his asked about like why prostitutes? And he's like, well, anytime I got a craving that I was lonely or needed a girlfriend, yeah, he's like, it's easier just to have him show up on the back door like your milk. Yeah, you know, it, like your milk every every Saturday or whatever. Yeah, I mean, in, in a practical sense, he's not wrong. No, he's just like, man, I really want a girlfriend. I'm getting lonely. Yeah, get a prostitute, and then he's like, cool. That was thirty minutes. Now man, I'm level headed again. Like somebody should get these whores to deliver food. Yeah, start our own <laughs> delivery service. So they're delivering gonorrhea for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's when he went to live with a brethren tutor in Eastbourne. And then he started, then that's in Eastbourne College is where he got into, that. from what I got, that's where he got into chess and stuff like that. Poetry and mountain climbing. And then almost immediately he climbed Beachy Head, which I guess is a mountain there. And then he went to the Alps and joined. Yeah. And then he went to the Alps and joined the Scottish Mountaineering Club. And then he returned to the Bernice Alps climbing the, I think it's pronounced Iger, it's E-I-G-E-R. I've heard of it from one of those climbing documentaries I watched about that Alex Holm dude or whatever his name is. The free Yeah, the free, free solo guy. Yeah, that guy's fucking Alex nuts. Home God or Home Burn? Yeah. Home God. Home God. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's right. I think he climbed it in one of the things I watched. The Eiger, the Trift, the Jungfrau, Jungfrau, the Monk, and Wetterhorn. So he... Wetterhorn, boy, they would. Time to horn. So he... <laughs> Anyways, he climbed a bunch of shit because he, like I said, that's that was my point that everything he did, he was just like fucking to the max. Yeah. Immediately. You know, like, hey, you like to climb? Like he walked up a hill one day and he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go climb a bunch of mountains now. Yeah. That's just what I want to do. And, I mean, think about it. He never had to work again. So, got bored. He's super intelligent. He's like, fuck, what do I do? Oh yeah, just start climbing mountains. Fuck it. And then, he, like, yeah. Solo climbing. Just whatever. It's, it's kind of like whatever he put his mind to, he could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Then he went to Cambridge University from, for three years. And uh, that he, he was... 
that's where he like started studying philosophy and then he changed over to studying like English literature like he really started to he really started to take like scholarly routes yeah you know what I mean like obviously it's, obviously once you get a little bit older and your brain thickens up a little bit and it's not just like a bunch of semen swimming around in your head so and mountains yeah. semen and mountains that's all it'll... <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know he did that. I mean, I don't want to just keep reading like, and then he did this, and then he did that, and then he did that, because I'm sure everybody just wants to get to the good stuff. Well, did you hear that? I, I, I want to ask you this because we already talked about his parents and everything. Did you hear the rumor that he was the father of Barbara Bush and Betty White? Uh, no. Yeah, I heard that. Are they old enough to be? Oh yeah. Because he was like around like 1895. The math works out. Really? Uh, yeah. I'll, um, talk about something for a minute and I'll find it. That's I look, crazy. I looked it up. Well, yeah, I know. It's sad because he was so smart. It was almost like he was just bored all the time. Yeah. And he just threw himself, like you said, headfirst into everything. He, he did a lot of good shit, though. Like, just... And I hate, I don't know. It, it's weird to say because he's left such a bad stain on people that they couldn't see him for what he was, you know. Just this lost fucking intelligent dude that had essentially ADHD, you know. Yeah. Just, oh, I'm going to try this. Well, that got boring. I'm going to try this. Well, that kind of got boring too. So, what? Nothing. So, that that theory um the theory is that, so all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take you down the road here for a second all right pauline pierce was barbara bush's mother okay that was her name okay she was friends with alistair crowley so um uh, real quick about her so okay so she was friends with alistair crowley and she had a reputation of being a bit on the wild side in the 1920s. Mm. Okay? So, uh, it's been reported that she and Alistair were in France together around September, October of 1924, which I guess lines up with Barbara's birthday in a nine-month matter of speaking. And then when she came to America with her boyfriend, she gave birth to Barbara Pierce. So as soon as she got, not, not as soon as she got here, because the months right there aren't, listed but yeah you know she was partying and so i think the way i I think the way that i heard it i listened to somebody say it and i tried to look it up but the way i heard it was that he was friends with her sister or her friend can't remember but that's who introduced him and they hit it off and they were partying together in france and then she came to america with her boyfriend and she had barbara pierce so and then i found out something that i thought was interesting her name originally was barbara percy she changed so she changed they changed their names from Percy to Pierce because one of her relatives a Mr. Thomas Percy was involved in the gunpowder plot remember remember the 5th of November oh really so it seems like you know what I mean like he would want to be around people like that like yeah almost kind of un, not unstable but you know like revolutionary type something crazy people, going on yeah. kind of people but anyhow and then there was another one that said that betty white and barbara bush were sisters but that's not true but that's not saying he couldn't be her dad too and then yeah. they did that remember the like justin trudeau um fidel castro face thing yeah yeah they did the same thing with barbara bush and uh alistair crowley and they look very similar really yeah that's that's wild have so, you heard that... But then this guy just went off about the Guy Fox thing, so... Yeah. Have you heard where uh, Aleister Crowley knew Jack the Ripper? Uh, I, you know, I did hear... I, I didn't get into it today when I was looking for stuff, but I have heard that before. So, yeah, he met with this man before he died, and he was talking to him, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, this, that, and the other. They were going back and forth. And Aleister Crowley asked him, he's like, are you the Ripper? You know, are you Jack the Ripper kind of thing? Yeah. And he was like, well, no. You know, he didn't openly admit to it. Yeah. But then he handed him five blood-soaked, blood-soaked scarves 
And that goes along with the five victims of Jack the Ripper. Get the fuck out of here. Also, they were saying that the guy that uh, Aleister Crowley, I can't remember that guy's name either. Fuck. I hate listening to all this shit. Which guy? Uh, Jack the Ripper. Like the actual... The suspect? Yeah. Jesus Christ, which one? We did Jack the Ripper. I know. There's like fucking 300 of them. But anyways, they were talking back and forth. And this guy that Aleister Crowley knew was in that area. He lived in the area that Jack the Ripper was prevalent. Yeah. But when he handed him the blood, the five blood-soaked scarves, he was like, oh, shit. And the guy died. You're talking about Walter Sickert, that one? I think so. That's the one that, that's the, one that the Magic 8 ball points to. But he's just like, no, I, I didn't kill him. And then before he died, he gave him five blood-soaked scarves that matched up with, you know. And Crowley was all about that shit. He was all about, like, you know, how was it? How was it? Feel? Because when he was young, he... This is how Crowley's mind worked, right? He had heard that cats have nine lives. Did you hear about this? No. So Crowley heard cats have nine lives. In order to put that to the test... He went off, (laughs) he grabbed a cat, he sedated it, he fucking, he smashed its head in, Mm -hmm. he chloroformed it, he cyanide pilled it, Mm -hmm. he fucking burned it, did all this shit to it, he did eight things to it. Okay. Because they have nine lives, right? So he did eight things to it, and it was like bashing its skull in to just mush and shit like that. Okay. And he said in a in one of his books that he wrote that he felt bad about doing it. He, he's like, I didn't feel good, but I had to know. Like, if they actually have nine lives. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking held it underwater, did all that shit to it. And, of course, it's fucking dead, but he's like, yeah, I just, I had to know. So, when he would hear people say things he took it not as metaphors he took it fucking literal yeah he's like oh they have nine lives let's test it and i don't know he just seemed like that person that would want to know yeah like they talk about him drugging people that would come to his house or apartment or parties or wherever he was at the time just to see what it did to him Mm -hmm. that he would drug people without him knowing it and observe them yeah yeah i don't um I don't doubt. I don't doubt that he would. I don't doubt that he would have sought. That he would have sought that person out if, if they had a suspect. That I don't doubt that Aleister Crowley would have went and found him. Like art. Like you're saying. Like are you the guy? You know. Yeah. Like, uh, no. Yeah. Hands you five blood-soaked <laughs> scarves, and he's like, I only that live shit there. Shit is from, gross. So from this to this. Fun fact about Mr. Alistair Crowley. All right. Um, there was a TV show on BBC Channel in Britain. It was called the 100 Greatest Britons, okay? And they did a poll. They uh, where they polled they polled the general public. Okay. Who do you think is the greatest Briton of all time? Number one was Winston Churchill. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But number 73 was Mr. Aleister Crowley himself. So he made the list of the 100 Greatest Britons voted on by the public. Huh. In 2002. So he was still relevant enough in 2002, which means, like, everybody's heard of this guy. Yeah. One way or another. You know, usually by the time, like, well, I said what I heard it when I was probably eight or ten years old, I heard that song. Who knows? But that's amazing to me that in 2002, enough people would vote for Aleister Crowley, knowing what they know about him now. Yeah. That he was a great man, a great Briton. <laughs> I just thought that was it's an interesting thing. He did a lot of interesting stuff. Apparently, I'm related to Winston Churchill. Yeah? Yeah. He's like my great-great-great-uncle or something. All right. But anyway. What are you doing with your legacy there, buddy? Fucking shitting some it away. Sort of revolutionary or government superpower. Shitting it away, dude. Yeah. And my great-great-aunt or something. Yeah. Great-great-grandmother was like a Javanese princess. Yeah. Yeah. And we tried to like get her money back and 
guy was killed in our family. Like, all this crazy shit. Oh, yeah, you were telling me something yeah, about yeah. that one time. It's wild. About, like, one of your uncles was going to try to chase it down or something, right? Yeah. And then, well, as my granddad was trying to track the money down, because that government still owed our family. Yeah. Like and billions. by this time, with, like, inflation and all that, yeah, it was in the billions. Yeah. And then my family... The family friend that was always at the house and everything, he worked with my granddad, and he was cutting the grass out out in the yard, you know, yeah, doing his suspicious thing. Suspicious circumstances. But he had my granddad's uh, hard hat, hard hat, in his truck with his name on it. Yeah. So that's what we think happened. But he ended up swallowing a shit ton of oven cleaner. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and it was like. It was some crazy shit. But yeah, he ended up getting killed. And then my granddad was like, yep, it's not worth it. Leave it alone. You should find it. I, I've thought about it. But we I gotta... Should, we should do it and you just split some of it with me. Fuck yeah. If you're not worried about dying. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. Back Alistair to Crowley. Crowley. Um, um, I don't know where we stopped. Fuck it. Let's get into some crazy shit. Yeah, we gotta right. get this. We gotta get this season two ender into a banger. All know? right. So Crowley had his first significant mystical experience while on holiday in Stockholm in December of 1896. Okay. That's what this several. Um, oh fuck it. References. Some references say that professionals believe that this was the first result of his first same-sex sexual experience, which enabled him to recognize his bisexuality. Okay. So. After that, he maintained a vigorous sex life with women, largely with prostitutes. One of them he caught syphilis. But that's when he got kicked out of the school. Yeah. When he caught syphilis. Yeah. All right. I don't know if you want to go any further. No, keep going. Expand on that anymore. But eventually he took part in same-sex activities, despite them still being illegal at that time. Um St. Petersburg. So, real quick, he was. It was illegal, like you said, at that time to be homosexual. Yeah. Um. So he ended up. There was this guy. Here's this guy, in a college that he was attending, who blew Crowley's mind away about like the occults and stuff like that. So he's like, I need to know what this guy knows about it, because he was really interested in magic and mysticism and spirituality and stuff so when he was talking with this guy he's like i want you to live with me and the guy that he was talking to was like well and he was knocking around the idea but he said he was broke and he was also addicted to drugs like he took a concoction for his uh i can't remember asthma Mm -hmm. and it was a concoction of like morphine cocaine and two other things Word. And he's like, well, I'm broke. I'm about to get kicked out of my apartment. So, yeah, fuck it. Ended up moving in with Crowley. And that's when Crowley's mansion started coming under investigation by the police. And the police were, like, watching them nonstop because they were like, this guy's doing some homosexual stuff. It wasn't like, oh, well, he's a, he's a wizard, Harry. You know, yeah. it was like... This guy is a homosexual. Let's watch him bust him in the act, you know? So they just wanted to watch. Probably. Weirdos. Yeah. Just mind your own fucking business, yeah. police. Yeah, so yeah, he did that. He went to Russia saying that he was trying to learn Russian as he was considering a future as being a Russian diplomat. I also heard a rumor that he was uh, hired by the British Secret Service to help overthrow the government of Spain. Really? Yeah. I couldn't find anything to substantiate that. It was just like somewhere in all these ramblings. But the leading investigators of that time said that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Top men. So uh, in March of 1898, that's when he got the book of Black Magic and Packs. And that's when he really started like digging into the occult stuff. And then he privately published 100 copies of his poem that was called Akeldama or whatever, A Place to Bury Strangers In. Right? So he couldn't publish it in... In, uh, in Great Britain, so he had to publish it abroad, whatever. Um, some, some of the, one of the poems, though, <laughs> one of the poems is called White Stains. I don't know if you can surmise what that's about. 
I have no idea. Please enlighten me. It's about roughing the suspect. <laughs> all right. But you say roughing the suspect. Yeah. And David Bowie makes a reference to it in his song "Station to Station." Really? Yeah. Because you know how those guys are. They're yeah, all. Yeah. But what I, what was ironic was he also had a poem called "The Rainbow," and it was a praise to the glory of God. Huh. So the the poems have weird names because you know weird dude whatever. So uh, 1898 in August is when he he was in Switzerland where he met the chemist Julian L. Baker and they've uh, they've been they they began discussing alchemy. So, um, and then uh, back in London, the Baker guy introduced Crowley to George Cecil Jones, Baker's brother-in-law and a fellow member of the occult society known as the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So this yeah. is when he gets into the Golden Dawn and starts with the goddamn secret societies and all their weird shit. Uh, he was initiated into that in 1898 by the group's leader. And then... Uh, uh, he the name that he took his his magical motto and name was Freighter Per Freighter Perdurabo, which he interpreted as I, I shall endure I shall endure to the end. Hmm. Yeah, that's Anyways. a pretty ironic name, like especially because he wasn't supposed to make it to manhood. Yeah, like yeah, he was supposed to die before then. That's pretty insane. So then, um, then he moved into a place with a guy named Alan Bennett, who was a senior Golden Dawn member, to be his personal magic tutor, like to teach him. I can't imagine like moving into a place with somebody and, like that's the guy I was talking about. Yeah, I'm, I have a magic tutor yeah. teach, teaching me magic. Like, <laughs> fucking nerd. You know, well, like, and back then, like they were more fearful of that. Yeah. So more Fuck people yeah. believed that. Oh shit, he's actually doing magic. Like. Now, most of the stuff that people are like, oh, fucking tarot cards, we can break it down to a science, you know, and be like, well, is yeah. the tarot cards real or is it suggestive and this, that, and the other? And like cold reading tactics, hot reading tactics yeah. of these paranormal people, you know, it's like, well, we know about that stuff now, but back then, this shit was legit. Yeah, so. In 1899 is when he bought that house, the Bullskin House. That's the house on the shore of Loch Ness in Scotland. Yeah. Like, he thought that was the perfect place to start. Like, from what from what I could get, he was trying to find the perfect place to, like, start trying to really, like, summon demons and stuff. Or, like, really get into the black magic side of it. Yeah. I thought it was funny. The lady I was listening to talking about it called him a black magician. And I thought, is that how you say that? Like, if you're a person that practices black magic, are you a black magician or are you a magician of a practitioner of black magic? Because then in my mind, I was like, that sounds like a black guy that's a magician. Yeah. It does sound like, <laughs> does sound like this crazy, pasty white dude. I thought the magic. same thing when you said He's that. He's a black magician. Anyways. Well. That's <laughs> <laughs> weird. So, but he he like he loved it in Scotland so much that he like started to adapt the culture, and he called himself the Laird of Bolskin, which I think they they spell it L A L A I R D, which is probably how you spell it. But to me, it's probably just like some Scottish dude was like, "Oh yeah, the Laird of Scotland," you know. And he was yeah. like, "Yeah, Laird, that's right. I'm the Laird of Bolskin." He's like, "The Laird, that's what I said." Anyways, the Laird, L O R D. Yeah, like yeah. Jesus, the Lord. Yeah. And he's no, like, no. L-A-R-D? Yeah. That guy keeps calling me Laird. I don't get it. So Laird! But, uh, so he moved in there and wrote a bunch of crazy poems again. And then uh, it wasn't really like widely accepted or whatever. But that's when he started climbing through the order of the Golden Dawn, like up through the ranks. And he was very popular in the group because of his bisexuality and his libertine lifestyle. And he started making feuds with people Oh, the Scottish thing too, though. They said he even started wearing the Scottish dress, like the Highland dress, the kilts and stuff. That's what I'm saying, dude. This dude was ADHD <laughs> as fuck. He even would wear them when he went back to London. Like, he was like, fuck it, this is how I roll now. You know, just talk with a thick British yeah. accent. And he's like, like, you're from London. He's like, go fuck yourself. You know, like, anyways. Um, go fuck yourself, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> Get off the fucking road. You know, the Australian Great Britain people? Yeah. Very so, small sect. So in the in 1900, he went to Mexico 
via the United States, and he went to Mexico City and started a relationship with a local woman, and then he developed the love of that country and started experimenting with ceremonial magic, uh, working with, some, with John Dee's Enochian Invocations. I didn't have time to read what that was. And then he said that he later claimed he'd been initiated into Freemasonry while in Mexico City. Okay. I don't know that there's... Um, I don't know that there's like a huge masonry presence in Mexico, Freemason presence. I, I mean, mean, it's all over the world. I know it's all over the world, but I I don't want to say like, an, I've never met a Mexican Freemason. That's not what I'm trying to say because, you know, I've only met a few anyways, but I've never heard any like substantial news of Freemasonry from Mexico. <laughs> like, I don't know any conspiracies about Mexican Freemasons. Yeah, I don't either. So I didn't know that was even, I figured it was there, but I figured, you know, anyways, whatever the fuck I'm saying. But then, um, so he he climbed some mountains in Mexico, and uh, some pretty big ones, I guess. And uh, what the fuck? So he left Mexico and went to San Francisco, and then sailed to Hawaii aboard the Nippon Maru, which sounds familiar to me for some reason now that I read it, the ship. The Nippon Maru. I'm going to have to look that up later and see what it was. So now he's in Hawaii. Probably had fell in love there. Yeah, on the ship he had a brief affair with a married woman named Mary Alice Rogers, saying he'd fall in love with her. And then he wrote poems about that. I can only imagine. So one of the poems is called "Alice and Adultery." Oh my God, Mary Alice Rogers. So, so somebody else is like, "Hey, Alice is about a girl that goes to Wonderland and has a magical experience." He's like, "I'll tell you what Alice is about." <laughs> well, can you imagine getting found out back then? Because adultery was like. Nowadays you hear, oh, so-and-so cheated and so-and-so cheated. But can you imagine getting found out back then through yeah. a poem from some guy being like, hey, yeah, there's this chick named Alice on this boat. I was going to Hawaii in and fucked her. And the guy, the husband's like, wait, what the fuck? My wife's named Alice. Yeah. We went at that time. And he's like, you motherfucker. Had a daughter named Barbara. God damn it. So. <laughs> um, anyways, but then. It says it briefly stopped in Japan and Hong Kong, and then he and then he reached Cylon. I know I thought Cylon was like one of the fucking robots from that TV show, Babylon Five, I think so it's called. Never really got into that one, but so he meets, so he goes all over all this fucking everywhere doing all this shit, and then he meets back up with the Bennett guy, Alan Bennett, mm. the Golden Dawn guy, who's now studying uh, like Shaivism, Shivism, I guess I don't know. Excuse me. So then Bennett decided to become a Buddhist monk instead. This, this these guys are just all over. Like you're you're absolutely right when you say like. I'm not a big proponent of saying people have ADHD just because they're kind of like erratic, you know, yeah. and whatever. But it's absolutely like, what are you doing today? I'm gonna go to Scotland and I'm gonna tell everybody I'm Scottish and start wearing kilts. What are you gonna do? I don't know. I thought I'd go to Hong Kong. And learn kung fu. Well, then what are you going to do? Well, then I think I want to be a monk, so I'm going to go over here. <laughs> what about you? I'm going to Mexico to be a Freemason. What the fuck is going on here? So, um, that guy went to Burma to be a Buddhist monk, and Crowley decided to tour India, devoting himself to the Hindu practice of Raja Yoga. And then he claimed to achieve the spiritual state of Dhyana, which I'm guessing is like the probably the upper echelon of Raja Yoga, like top... You've just attained Enlightened. it. Yeah, you just attained it. Really? Just now. Got it. And then he wrote a bunch more poems about crap. And then he then he got malaria. Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm just like... Well, I mean... Gotta get facts, but... Climbed a bunch of mountains. I'm trying to get to where, like... He was, he was affected with influenza, malaria, snow blindness. Jesus Christ. And see, this is what I was... This is the point that I brought up earlier. Like when you first, your first thoughts of Aleister Crowley, you're just like, oh, he was a crazy guy. It was this cultic, satanic, well, it's not even satanic, devil worshiping, fucking crazy man. You don't look into his life of going, holy shit, he went to all these other countries, had all these different lives, like, Mexico City in Mexico climbing mountains becoming a Freemason going to Hawaii going 
You don't hear about any of this shit. It's all just, oh, he's this psychopath that, you know, rubs shit on his walls. It's like, well, there's a lot more to this guy. His, have you ever heard of that story of the most interesting man of all time or whatever? Most interesting man in the world? Yeah. Like, that's... The guy that's like, I don't always drink beer, but when I do... (laughs) No, but (laughs) there's a story about the most interesting man in the world, and it's kind of like that. Or kind of like the catch me if you can guy. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys' lives are fucking insane. Going around fucking everybody that he can, doing all these drugs, being enlightened in India and Mexico City and fucking. It's I mean, crazy. it sounds awesome. Yeah. To just like go do a bunch of ayahuasca in the desert and or in the jungle and try to figure life out, you know? Yeah. Because you know he's doing DMT too, you know, like. When he was in anywhere he could find, he was probably doing anything anybody would put in his face. Yeah, they're just like, this will make you feel good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this will make you see God. I'm down. So, yeah. another thing that uh, I want to talk about was when he got. I, I was trying to find. Did you hear the story about his honeymoon at the pyramids? No. Well, I don't know which marriage that was because I think he was married more than once. Because I just found another one where he was married. Uh, he married Gerald Kelly's sister, Rose Edith Kelly, in a marriage of convenience to prevent to prevent her from entering in an arranged marriage. You know, like doing her a solid. Yeah. But that says that they hun- they went on a honeymoon. Oh, yeah, there you go. The honeymoon was to Paris, Cairo, and then Ceylon. So then he fell in love with her and work to prove his affection she said when they went to the pyramid that she had an experience and that a being told her something i can't remember exactly what the fuck it was egypt and the book of the law i think was where it came from yeah so in february 1904 crowley and rose arrived in cairo claiming to be a prince and princess so just make this shit up as you go yeah i'm Prince Crowley and that's Princess Rose. I mean, who would who would question it if you're rolling deep? Because this yeah. motherfucker had money. So. Yeah. Well, it's just like uh, like and back then everything was just a paper that you had. You know, like it was signed by somebody. Probably pretty easy to fake. And all you'd have to say is, "I'm the prince or princess of Chicken Nugget Island," and they're yeah. gonna be like, "Oh, okay, cool. That's a real place." So they rented an apartment in Can't Cairo. Google. And he set up a temple room and began invoking ancient Egyptian deities while studying Islamic mysticism and Arabic. Right? So it's just off on the next thing, and I'll just study this until there's nothing else to learn, and then go learn something else. So according to his account, Rose regularly became delirious and informed him, they are waiting for you. That's what she kept saying to him. And on uh, the 18th of March, she explained that they were the god Horus and 20 Horus. They were the god Horus. All right. And then on the 20th of March, she said that the equinox of the gods has come, and she led him to a nearby museum. And she showed him a 7th century B.C. mortuary known as the, the Steel of... Uh, let's see, it's going to be hard. Ankh Efen Kansu. Sounds good. Ankh Efen Kansu. Ankh Efen Kansu, tell you what. So... Crowley thought it was important because the exhibit's number was 666. Which, she could have known that and been like, I'll just take him to the one 666, it'll make it more. Yeah, probably. But his mom also used to call him, like, his mom was a very strict Bible literalist. Mm -hmm. So being like, everything in here, nothing's a parable, it's all facts, Mm -hmm. it's all literal. So, she used to refer to Crowley as the beast. Yeah. And... I did see that somewhere. All this shit. So, when she's a literalist, she wouldn't just call anybody the devil or the beast or anything like that. But right. called her own son that. And he's like, when he heard that, he liked it. He's like, yeah. hold on. The beast. The, I like this. The, of the beast. This archetype, you know, kind of description of myself and stuff like that. So, I'm sure that, when he's seen 666, oh, he, was that, like, he was just like, holy boner. fuck. Boner. I have made it! <laughs> so, in April of that same year, he started hearing a disembodied voice claiming to be Iwas, or Iwas, the messenger of Horus. Mm. So, 
So then he said for three days his voice told him stuff and he wrote it all down. And that's where he wrote the book called The Book of the Law. And that uh, humanity was entering a new eon or aeon, however you want to say it, and Crowley would serve as its prophet. And that's where that famous statement comes from, do what thou wilt, do what thou want, or whatever it says. This says something a little different than what I thought it said. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Like, do whatever you want. Yeah. Right, so because he believed in that shit, and uh, I found a picture. I didn't save it, but I found a picture of Jay Z, the rapper, wearing like a. You remember those like, it was like a pullover windbreaker that a lot of people wore like in the late nineties, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's like a V neck kind of setup. Mm -hmm. You know, it says that across the chest, "Do what thou wilt." So you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's looked into some of this too. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. I think once you have, they say your problems are different once you have so much money that you don't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. It's not like regular people problems like, oh man, I really want a new car or something like that. So they start diving head first into this shit and you hear about people going on spirit quests all the time or searching for themselves and, you know, searching for a God or whatever, you know, yeah, going on a spirit quest. Well, yeah. the only difference in normal, regular people going on spirit quests is they're not just going and taking ayahuasca in the desert. This lasted for fucking decades. You know, it's like that's the difference in between his spirit quest and ours. Mm -hmm. Not saying I've done ayahuasca or anything, but yeah. You know, I get I get what you're saying though. Um, so the book that he wrote, the book of the the book of the law was where was the like the 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 basis for his his occult philosophy thelema hmm. like that's how he came up with that so um i don't i think it just means will the transition the translation of thelema yeah is basically just means will from the verb to will wish want or purpose so do what thou will. So that's the lima for him. Um, uh, they were called thelemites or themalites, thelemites, what the fuck ever. <laughs> they say he was a prophet. It was the new eon of Horus. I don't know, man. This dude just like came up with religions, fucking climbed mountains. Do whatever you want to do all the time. So on part two, we'll get into... We're definitely going to have to have part two. Cause the cults and shit like that. But at least now there's a little bit of history behind it. We'll try and get like some sort of a script or something for part two. Like I try, I tried as hard as I could to prepare for yeah. this. And it, there's, it's like drinking from a fire hose. It is. He's, that's what I'm saying. This guy was super fucking interesting. It's not just this crazy occult guy that rub shit on the walls yeah but he did people call him a satanist and all this other stuff just so you guys know he was not a satanist he did tried to do devil worshiping and like tried to actually invite demons and then not david bowie but jimmy page yeah from led zeppelin yeah after he moved into his house apparently the story i got which we'll probably hit on later is Crowley was doing all these different experiments, just trying to talk to the other side. Yeah. And a lot of them, he wouldn't finish them out. He would start them and then be like, well, it's not working. And then go to the next yeah. one. Like half acid. Yeah. So, and in order to like close the doors to these realms, and finger quotes, yeah. is you would have to finish it yeah. to be able to seal the door back up or whatever. Right. So Jimmy Page was like, he never sealed these fucking doors. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. And, yeah, so... Yeah, that'll be good to get into. Aleister Crowley Part 2. Yeah. Well, uh... That'll be... So we're definitely going to hit this hard uh, Season 3. Yeah. Episode 1 will be Crowley again. Crowley Harder. Crowley Harder. So, in closing, because it's Father's Day, I just wanted to uh, 
give a shout out to all the dads doing their thing out there. Yeah. And just read something real quick. It's called A Man Provides. It's a thing I found inspirational. So, here we go. I don't even know who wrote it. A man provides for his family. He does it even when he's not appreciated, respected, or even loved. He simply bears his will and does it because he is a man. That's right. So, God, tell you what. Good job, guys. Yeah. And if you're Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, if you are in need of help, please reach out. Suicide hotline, anything, you know. Talk to somebody. Better help, something. Yeah, they're not sponsoring us, so yeah. don't get too carried away. We're just, we're just throwing them out. But uh, <laughs> if you got anything else. Question everything. Well, that's going to be it from us here at the Greasy Knuckles Podcast. Remember, if you're going to get greasy. Go Knuckles deep. That's right. See you on season three. Shit, what is that? What the fuck? Get ready for fucking ear cancer. Here it comes.